Welcome to the Proud Rural Teacher Podcast, hosted by the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. The Proud Rural Teacher Podcast focuses on the challenges of teaching in rural America and provides direction, resources, and inspiration for you to keep moving forward. I'm your host, Jessica Brogley. This episode of the Proud Rural Teacher Podcast is brought to you by Soundtrap for Education. Soundtrap for Education is a cloud-based sound recording tool that allows for easy capture, editing, and collaboration from anywhere you can get to the internet. Soundtrap for Education is the preferred audio recording tool of the Proud Rural Teacher Podcast. Find out more about Soundtrap for Education at soundtrap.com edu. Today I'm talking with Lori Heimsoff, fifth grade teacher at Mineral Point Elementary in Mineral Point, Wisconsin, in the southwest corner of the state. Lori, like so many other teachers, found herself launched into virtual teaching as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Just to give listeners a little context and add to this, if you'd like, Lori, Mineral Point is Wisconsin's third oldest city dating back to 1827 and has really retained its historical charm. Other than paving the street and adding utilities, Main Street really hasn't changed much from the turn of this century. Uh, the population is roughly 2,400 people. And Lori, your elementary school, is it still 4K through 5? It is, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, with roughly, what, a um, student body of 370-ish in, that, in the elementary building? All right. I think closer to 325 right now, but okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. certainly a rural community and a, a rural school district. Uh, I was hoping that you would share your experiences of what it's like to teach virtually in in a rural area to elementary teachers or elementary children. Uh, that has to have presented so many hurdles for you. So can you describe to us what do you teach in the district? So I teach a general classroom of fifth grade students. So I teach all subject areas to fifth graders. My classroom this year has 18 students. And uh, so how are you coping with the transition? Well, I'm trying to take the transition one day at a time. I would say for me, the coping came with lots of different feelings and emotions. Obviously I'm missing the students. I'm missing the daily routine and trying to figure out, you know, knowing that most people strive in routine, just setting up a a new routine that helps me so that I can then help the students. Um, Another way I'm trying to really cope is to be in contact with the families, not just the students, because we have to be very realistic about the expectations right now. This is not only new for teachers, it's new for most students and definitely new for families. And a lot of my families are still working. And so with two parents working and whether that be from home or still at their place of employment, it's it's just a lot more that they are dealing with as well. What hurdles have really played into factor in, in your area? Well, the obvious one is probably access. So we're a couple of weeks into this now. I still have two students without access and I have a few students with slow internet and things like that. As a district, we are trying to provide hotspots um, for students, but even that, the depending upon which service you're using, the backlog is about two to three weeks right now. Mm. I also have another family who um, had decided to, you know, go ahead and get a contract with an internet service provider. And again, it was, it was two weeks. So mm-hmm. 
still have students that are without access. And so doing pick up and drop off of paper items for them as much as possible mm -hmm. and just trying to keep them in the loop, you know, through phone calls or whatever until we can get a little more solid with access for all of the mm -hmm. students. And I, I don't think people who live in the city realize you don't have to live very far out of town before you have bad internet is is that is how it is where i live is same for you i take it yes yeah um so many of our students are still using satellite internet which um i have had that before it's terrible <laughs> uh so uh, you know and even cell phone reception um i've got students who um they can't have a cell phone where they went back home um because they, they it, there's no reception so uh, even trying to use your data plan or use your phone as a hotspot isn't an option for all of our students. So uh, talk to me, how is planning and teaching going? What are you doing? Well, as a, I would say as a building and then as a team after that, we kind of decided that this first week we were really going to stay in review mode, try to get students into a routine, um, try to get them to understand how their assignments or workload was being distributed to them and just to kind of see how it would go. And so it, the first few days were tough because even though we had kind of, you know, asked families to set up new accounts or more accounts, students are using different devices than they're used to. They're, like I said earlier, their internet service may not be as strong as they like. So if there are more people in the house using that service than in the past, we're just running into those types of problems. Mm -hmm. I would say even on a class basis, um, you don't realize how much students feed off of each other. And so, you know, if they are stuck on something, especially with technology, they just look at their friend or their neighbor and they get help and they teach each other that way. And so although we're trying to teach them that all the time, they're learning as much from their peers as they are from us, mm -hmm. especially in the use of technology. And that's kind of all been cut off. And mm -hmm. so all of those questions come to me now. And again, then I'm using all 18 devices that they're on. I'm using, you know, <laughs> iPads and Chromebooks and MacBooks and, right. you know, phones and trying to figure out, you know, is it a right click, a single tap, uh, you know, or, you know, what's, the, what's blocking them from getting certain information. So I, I would say I felt like yesterday and today, maybe it was a little bit better already. So I'm hoping with time that things will kind of even themselves out. But also with time, I think we're going to up the ante on what instruction is. And so I'm sure there will be new new pitfalls along the way, but we'll be okay. What, uh, what platform are you using to share materials? Like, what are some of the technology tools you're using? So the primary tool I'm using is Google Classroom. That is something that my students were very familiar with before this happened. And so I'm very grateful that I was using that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, within Google Classroom, you know, we're using I, I've really tried to stick with the things that they like and that they knew already. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of the Google Forms, Flipgrid, Padlet, um, different ways for them to share their work with me and with the others in the class. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully as we go on, we'll even learn some new tools and become 
more tech savvy, you know, that would be a challenge for me and them as well. But it's just one more way to grow through this process. So I think you've you've really hit on a point where we emphasize to stick with what these students know, at least the same infrastructure. Um, so they have at least that going and forward, right, to build new learning after that. What what advice might you provide for for other teachers who are in the same boat as you? Um, I guess if they if they haven't started, which I know some schools haven't truly started yet, I would contact families now, find out their preferred method of communication, because I think at the beginning, that communication piece is going to be your saving grace. If you have students who are not engaging at all, you'll want to communicate with family members and, you know, just be able to be on the same page as them. I would start very slowly. I would use the same platforms that you've been using. I would probably do some review work. So if you're working on reading skills, maybe the same reading skill, you could take it to a deeper level, but instead of introducing new things right away and just try to get into that basic routine of what this is going to look like and feel like and sound like mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. students. You have to be able to walk them through how you're providing feedback and what the expectation is at that point. And so, you know, I'm pretty lucky because at the fifth grade level, students are starting to become fairly independent. Also because we are a one-to-one -one classroom when we are in session together. And so they, you know, they did have some nice tech skills and we did have some of these platforms set up ahead of time. But this whole process is just a new learning curve. And so I actually did a survey with my students this morning because DPI has recommended about two hours of work for the fifth grade student. And I just kind of wanted to know where I was at, how were things working out? And I had students telling me that it, they were in the two to four hour range. And my guess is that they were less than two hours. So even that piece of information, you know, it's really helping me and my team think about, okay, what's next week going to look like? Are they feeling stressed because the emotional piece of it is so huge so mm -hmm. and then of course working with your administration to make sure you're doing as much as you can access wise mm -hmm. and just keeping in touch with students and families and helping them as much as we can are you meeting your students online like with google meet or zoom at all yes during this whole process how often so this week they actually asked me if we could meet daily and so we have been meeting daily and out of the 18 students, I've had about 12 each day. It's, you know, I, I put it out there as optional because again, for some of them, they don't like to join if they don't have good internet access. Um, some are joining and just not using the video, which helps. And then in that survey I did this morning, I asked them about next week and most students were saying they still wanted to meet through Zoom three to five times during the week. If they have a question about their math or whatever, I can just screen share and kind of talk them through it. They mm -hmm. ask each other questions. And I think they're also kind of lonely and isolated. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning mm -hmm. of each meeting, they're just chatting back and forth and telling everyone what they did yesterday. And so it's just that social piece that they're missing as well. And so teachers need to be just kind of okay with that for a while. You know, that's part of the process. Uh, and out of respect for their 
probably need to network and see each other and as a class. Right. I, I will say the one thing I did not do the first day was set up like protocols and it was it was new to us. And so everyone was trying to talk at once and the screen was jumping all over the place. And so, you know, and I tried to just talk them through it and say, I'm going to mute all of you guys if you can't manage this. And, you know, it was, it was definitely difficult. But this morning I didn't have to mute the whole class. Um, that conversation time, they've started to figure it out and they wave at each other and they say whose turn it is next. And so um, I would set up some protocol though, especially if you're doing um, any type of instruction or reteaching or you want to give them important information, go ahead and mute them and you know let them know you're gonna mute them and <laughs> let them know when you unmute them and it seems to work much better. Now, students that don't have access, you're sending home uh, what packets of work or what how, what does that look like in your district at this point yes um so math and reading is what we've been able to send home so if they're in a book club they obviously have their book club book and any reading responses that we're asking them to do and so far since this week was review i, I was able to send home a math packet as well so because my numbers, I still have two without access. So I think we're going to stay in that same mode for next week and we're just going to take it week by week. And, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully as time moves on, we'll have everyone in our district able to access somehow. Mm -hmm. Did they take Chromebooks home with them? Um, they did not take Chromebooks home with them, but we had a pick up and drop off day. So, any families that needed them. Of course, that information wasn't received by everyone. So since then, families have emailed teachers and we've just kind of figured it out. And is there anything else you'd want to share? I think just, you know, take a deep breath and be patient with yourself, be patient with your families, and just know that this in and of itself is a huge piece of learning, just this whole process. And so if you're not getting the academics done that you really feel like you need to be done. There's a lot of other learning that's taking place. Mm -hmm. Lori, thanks for taking the time to share your knowledge and experience. If folks want to get in contact with Lori, you can find her email address in the show notes of this episode. And as we continue to move forward through these challenging times, please remember that you're not alone. Consider joining the Southwest Wisconsin Google Education Group on Facebook. There we are discussing, sharing ideas and collaborating, inspiring one another to leverage technology to be able to impact instruction, but with a specific lens of what that means in a rural area. Now there you'll find educators just like yourself. Thanks for listening to the Proud Rural Teacher Podcast.